Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Marquee Matchup Show, episode 39. This is a very special and historic episode because uh, we've had guests, we've had some some great guests even, but we've never done a crossover uh, with another podcast. But that all changes today because Joey is not here with us. Joey is actually in Spain so a little bit of the time difference would have been hard hard to record. So I am actually here with a emergency backup tertiary guest slash host, Dan. Dan, how are you doing tonight? Thank you for that great intro. That makes me feel really appreciated here. Um, I'm doing great. I'm excited to talk some footy with you. There we go. So for those of you that are listening on the Marquee Matchup Show um, account, I guess, uh, Anchor, or through the Marquee Matchup Show, you don't know Dan, but if you're listening through the Tri-State Sports Podcast, you do know Dan. So this is an episode that we are recording once and posting twice. We are going to post it on the Marquee Matchup Show, where it belongs, and then on the Tri-State Sports Podcast as well, because that is a sports podcast um, encompassing many sports, not just soccer, that Dan and I also uh, work together on. So we feel like it would be it would be great to introduce both podcasts to the other side, right? Correct. Expand their audience, you know, viral marketing. Exactly. Dan, you for those that listen and know Dan, Dan is a bit of a I don't want to say loser because that's not correct. You're you're uh what what teams do you support, Dan? Would you like to enlighten the world? Well, in the soccer realm, um I'm a Philadelphia Union fan and a Liverpool fan, first and foremost. Um, that's that's rough. Not much of a, a tin pot club like like what Charlie supports. <laughs> okay, I mean, like, are we not ahead of you in in the table right now? Like, what are, what are you even talking about? You should get a trophy for that. <laughs> also, uh, yeah, we're third right now. We're 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 comfortably in Champions League position at this point in time. Um, had a rough game against West Ham. Thank God Joey's not here. Joey, as a West Ham supporter, would never let me hear the end of it. Um, but Dan, we do have we have some long running jokes on this podcast. One, for example, Joey is a DC United fan, and uh, when we went to when we were in school, I went to a DC United NYCFC game with him and some of our other family members. NYCFC won six nil, um, so that was a great. Uh, Great game to go to. Great memory for me, not so much for Joey. I feel like a an inside joke that we can share is when NYCFC uh, defeated the Philadelphia Union 2-1 to in the playoffs on the way to winning the MLS Cup because that's a fun memory for me and you as well. What are your thoughts on that one? It's a Mickey Mouse Cup. Um, and also, I, I guess to be a host on this podcast, you either have to be a DC United fan or a fan of a club that just batters them because as you said nycfc beat them six nil and the union have played them twice this year and um have won by a combined score of 13 to nothing yeah that's really not a good look you hate you kind of hate to see it but as a team that beat my beloved flower city union of rochester new york uh, i kind of want dc united now to fail um so it's it's a win-win it's a win-win but for those of you that listen to the Marky Matchup Show, we usually do our five games from last week, five games of this week, and then my gambling corner. We're going to switch it up a little bit to ease Dan into the uh, into the podcast. We're going to talk about a few of the Champions League matches from last week, as well as the very exciting transfer deadline today. 
which ended today on the 1st of September. It is very exciting. Dan, our first match, which I feel like I, I don't know all of the rivalries between Premier League teams, um, but I do know Tottenham hates every team in Chelsea, right? Arsenal, um, or every team in London, I'm sorry. Arsenal, Chelsea, West Ham, any of those other teams. So anytime Chelsea loses is a good like a good time. Would you agree on that? I think when whenever Chelsea gets scored on, an angel somewhere gets their wings. That's what <laughs> I would say. So I, I do have a few comments on this match. I, I did watch it. Um, one, a, a really odd question, considering he was, I believe, in Ballon d'Or contention just a, a little over a year ago. Is Edouard Mendy washed? I mean, looking if you look back on the their game against Leeds, that was a really rough showing, right? But I mean, what do you, what do you consider washed? Is David de Gea washed? I guess is is my question. Yeah, he's he's way <laughs> washed. He's he's so he's LeBron washed. He's that washed up. But I mean, I don't I don't know if you saw that first goal, but. I mean, just get some stronger arms, man. It, it went right through him. You should be saving that, especially as a as a quote unquote elite goalkeeper, like like everyone says he is. Yeah, that's rough. I feel. I mean, like there's to some extent, even as a non Chelsea fan, you have to wonder, like, why did they ever get rid of Courtois? I mean, it makes sense the money. Like, like you got to sell your best players at some point, but like, why? Like Kepa, not a terrible goalkeeper, not great. Mendy, not great, but also not horrible. But, like, if you have one of, if not the single best goalkeepers in the world at the time, why sell? You know what I mean? I also think at that time, Courtois was, wasn't as developed as he is now. He was catching a lot of flack from Chelsea supporters during that time, if I remember correctly. Um, and who wouldn't want to leave Chelsea for Real Madrid, truth be told? Yeah, I'm actually I'm 100% uh, on board with that. Also, one more thing. This is your first episode on the marquee matchup show one another kind of inside joke slash tradition we have is that joey always watches every game and i never watch a game if it's not tottenham or nycfc so that's just one thing if you ever say did you see that highlight chances are no but (laughs) when we record i pull the highlights up so i can talk about them about 30 seconds too late um but with that being said we do we do take notes on the games right and i saw an interesting note that you left underneath this game and it's it's very would you like would you like to read the note for us for the listeners i just want to know if thomas tuchel really hates america because you have captain america sitting on the bench when chelsea are in a terrible run of form and what do you do you leave him on the bench you go down 2-1 to southampton you don't look like battling back and when you sub him on 10 minutes left and you put him in at right wing back where he's never played a second in his career you know, you, you look at Mason Mount and everyone says, oh, he's young, he'll, he'll get better. But then you look at Christian Pulisic and the same people say, oh, he's just a, a stupid American. Oh, my. There is nothing. I mean, like, to be fair, I love making the joke, right, where it's like, oh, my God, Chelsea were down 2-1. It's all they, – they officially lost the game as soon as Pulisic got subbed on in the 66th minute after they were already down 2-1. It's like – because that's what, that's what Chelsea fans say which is un, like unironically ridiculous, right? Because to put it in like to put it in a way where American fans would understand, Wayne Gretzky, the best hockey player of all time, would not be good if you played him in net, right? 
LeBron James would not be a good center. Or I guess he would be, I mean, I don't know. He would be a decent center, but he wouldn't be like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Wilt Chamberlain, like that, right? You have to play the players in the position where they can thrive in. If you play Pulisic at, what is he, left wing or is he right wing? He's a left winger typically. You put him at left wing, he scores, and if he doesn't score, you still win the game, right? So if you have a player where it's proven that if they're in their position, you win, why would you not play them? Is it just because, I, I feel like the only reason now is because he's American. I think Thomas Tuchel just hates America, and I know our buddy Sam's Army was talking about that on his Instagram too, but um, even just playing him out of position and, you know, Chelsea have not started the season well, and you still give the same guys, the same guys, the same minutes every week. You know, if you give Pulisic, you know, four or five games in a row, maybe get his feet wet a little bit, but these these ten minute cameos at the end of the game, he's never he's never going to produce anything. I mean, it's it stinks to some extent because it's like. I feel like if you're if you're a professional soccer player and you don't like the team you're at, it's like you either hope that you're so good another team picks you up, or that you just don't play enough and they don't need you to. So when you can like ask for a loan or ask for a transfer, right? But they're just denying him that opportunity, which is ridiculous. Because if you're not going to play him, why keep him? You know what I mean? Yeah, and I know he was asking for a loan towards the end of this window, and and the owner said no, but. Um, and you would think, especially with this year being a World Cup year, you know, players now more than ever want to play. Exactly. Obviously, Pulisic's going to be starting on the U.S. men's national team because who else do we have? But um, listen, we're yeah. stacked. We're stacked on on the U.S. If we don't, I mean, we 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 had an entire episode on it. If the U.S. doesn't make it out of their group, I would be incredibly disappointed. And then at that point, especially at a World Cup, because it's not like Champions League where you have to win home and away. World Cup. Anything can happen in one game. It's different because it's not happening a day after like each game, like March Madness would be, for example. But if a team has a run where they're good for a week straight, right, then it's going to pay off in the end. And you never know which teams are going to go on that run. Like if you, if I asked you in 2018, do you think Croatia is going to make it to the, the finals of the World Cup? Would you have said yes? Definitely not. Exactly. So who knows which teams are going to just uh, get hot. And I, I feel like that's I feel like that's where the Americans will thrive because it's like it, it's going to sound really stupid and cheesy. But if we could beat the Russians in 1980 by playing a, a type of game that they hadn't seen uh, or hadn't had as much experience with and just confused them to the point where we were able to score, but also play solid enough game where we were able to win in the end. What, what's stopping the Americans from doing that in, in, on the pitch as well? Yeah, I don't really know, and and it would be great for the country too, because I don't know if you remember in 2014 how, just how excited everyone was, and we only we only got to the round of 16. Like Tim Howard became a, like a household name that just because he, he was a secretary of defense. What do you yeah, mean? Exactly. He, he had 16 saves against Belgium, I believe. But I mean, if you ask 90 percent of the population in America before the World Cup who Tim Howard was, I bet you get a lot of weird looks. Yeah. And that just goes to show how far like um, soccer has come in not only the U.S., but I feel like in the world. Because you get Tim Howard on like uh, – I, I get it's a t- uh, an English TV show, but you get Tim Howard on Premier League mornings, right? Him and who, – who else is it? Rebecca and someone else. But like yeah. 
he's one of the hosts. So now not only do you have an American soccer player in the high, it, like in the, uh, like in one of the lead roles of the TV show, but you also have Jesse Marsh, you have Christian Pulisic, you have Tyler Adams, you have Brendan Aronson, you have so many players out there where it's like, I finally feel like the U.S. men's national team development cycle is start is in a place where it can start to like begin to thrive. You know what I mean? We're not in the likes of like an English youth national team or like a um, like a French youth national team, but we're in a place where we are setting everything in position where we can eventually get to that spot. Yeah, I think we're finally producing some really good players and players that are actually going abroad too because, you know, for basically most of the years of our life, most of the American players have been stuck in the terrible MLS for most of their careers. Mm -hmm. So, you know, people like Brendan Aronson going to Leeds and Tyler Adams and, you know, Weston McKinney going to Juventus, that's huge for us. Oh my god, it's, it's massive, and I feel like for like it, it. One of the reasons, like growing up, right, you look to athletes, and you want athletes who are like you, in to an extent, right. So, like, if you're growing up watching soccer, you don't think like, oh my. I mean, a lot of kids would probably like nowadays would be like, oh my god, Mane, oh my god, Salah, I want to be just like them, you know, like like great goal scorers, great shooting, stuff like that. But it also there's also something to be said about those players who are good, not like superstar level, but like Brendan Aronson, Tyler Adams, be like, they're Americans. If they can do it, then I can get to that level one day, and I can do it. And that I feel like that's a uh, something that's going to be very exciting to watch in the future. Yeah, I agree, especially with Brendan Aronson, Pulisic being a couple Guinea scrawny boys from the East Coast. I don't know if you can relate to that though, <laughs> big boy. Okay, okay, we're gonna move on, Dan, to the next game. Um, as much fun as it is to see one of the top six lose, not in embarrassing fashion because Southampton's not like the worst team out there, but to see a team lose, it's also exciting to see a top six team dominate in the way that Man City uh, just destroyed Nottingham Forest six to nil. I mean, you're a Premier League, you're a fantasy Premier League player, right? How How scary is it, especially in Premier League, to see your your opponent coming up with Holland, uh, knowing he's going to probably score a hat trick in every single game. I mean, Holland is literally the human embodiment of a cheat code. He's taller than you. He's stronger than you. He's faster than you. He's smarter than you. He'll do anything better than you. And, you know, even if you, you think you can hold him off, you, you just physically cannot because he is inevitable and he's going to score. I mean, he's got nine goals in his first five Premier League games. He is a superhuman, and I am terrified. He's uh, he's going to break every record. There, there's no shot he doesn't break the single-season scoring record, right? Unless he gets injured, which is a little bit of a worry, especially once yeah. you know the Champions League picks up, because I, I think that starts next week. But he will have a break because Norway are not in the World Cup, so that could be very beneficial to he him. He gets a little bit of time. Do you think... I don't want to say necessarily, like... I don't know. I don't want to say, like, you know how Harry Kane is very, cl not close, but he is on the way to beating top Premier League goal scoring uh, of all time. He's, he's what is he, he's about 100-something away from Alan Shearer, which, that's three solid years for him. I feel like he has, a, he has a chance to hit that. Don't don't roll your eyes, that's the truth. Harry Kane is one of, if not the best strikers in the league, apart from Holland. Correct or, or incorrect? 
Yeah, but saying a oh, hundred goals is three seasons worth for him is just crazy. When he scores, when he scores thirty goals a season, what do you mean? When has he ever scored thirty in the Premier League? I'm I'm looking this up. I'm I'm looking this up because this is this is outrageous for you to even even say that. In the league, he will not score thirty goals. I I don't agree with you. I don't agree with you. I think that he will score over thirty this year. All competitions, maybe, but not no, in the no, league. No. no, in in the Premier League, I think he will. Has he ever done it before? Yeah. 27-2018. 30 goals. Four years ago. I think he still has it. I think if he gets No, because this isn't this isn't even right. It says it's it says he scored 17 goals in 21-22. Is that true? Probably. Son actually was... Son did score quite a few last year, so I mean that that kind of makes sense. Um, but you're telling me you don't think he, he passes um, Shearer? No. Uh, if he stays at Tottenham or in the league in general, he definitely will. But saying he's going to do it in three seasons is... <laughs> even you know, that's a little crazy. <laughs> I've been playing a lot of FIFA, so... <laughs> I've, been, I've been playing FIFA where the, the new Premier League um, single-season goal record by me is 71 goals. So um, Sounds like a lot of fun. It, oh, it's great, especially when I'm playing for Tottenham and we're actually winning trophies. Uh, it's a blast. It's a blast. You know it's a video game. <laughs> I'm telling you, Tottenham, I've had this argument with Joey several times. Tottenham are winning the trophy this year. Mark my words. We didn't play like it last game, but um, we're winning one this year. Um, but, yeah, I don't – let's get back on to this game. Do you think any team is going to beat City for the uh, the title? Unfortunately, no. Liverpool are already, I think, six points behind them. Before all, all the listeners jump down my throat and say Arsenal, I mean they've they played no one good. They, I mean they might have all played my club team when I was in high school. Oh my, they're so they are so bad. They've played Crystal Palace. They've played Leicester, who haven't won a game yet. They've played. They also give up two goals to Leicester. They've played Bournemouth. They've played Fulham. And then they've played Aston Villa, and they're like, "Oh my God, we're we're winning the league, we're going invincible." It's like you've played, like it's like that. What what's that old meme where it's like Kanye West scored a hundred points on a wheelchair basketball team? Do you, <laughs> do you remember that? Like yeah. that that's basically what they're doing. Like not not to throw any shade at like Crystal Palace or Aston Villa or Leicester, but they're not Tottenham. They're not City. They're not they're not Liverpool. They're not Man United, who still like. Are are three in a row from from their their very shaky start of zero and two, but um, like they're they're not one of the big teams. You know what I mean? Like Chelsea's even tenth place. I think Chelsea even throw Man U in there. Man U will they'll finish sixth, and you you can stamp that. Man U's not a bad team. Man U is not a bad team. Based on watching them today, here's the secret to Man U winning. And I know a lot of Man U fans may not like it. The secret to Man U winning is sit Ronaldo. He makes that team infinitely worse when he's actually playing. And I don't know if that's a hot take because, like, I have, I, I've watched just a few Man United games this year, right? Get a better goalie, sit Ronaldo. Because it's, it's one of those things where it's like, if you have LeBron on the court, right, LeBron's going to get clamped up more often than an average, like, I guess than, like, uh, Steph Curry, people like that. And if you have them, they're going to think that they're the, they're, the, they're the best player out there. Which to some extent he might be, but in this team he's a hundred percent not. You have so many like so many good 
um, attacking options that you don't need to put Ronaldo out there. Because Ronaldo has such a big ego that he's just going to take every shot he gets and he's just going to continue to miss, miss, miss. Yeah, he'll score one. Yeah, when they play Tottenham, uh, they'll, they'll put Ronaldo and he'll get a hat trick, of course, because that's just what he does. But it's like there's no need to play him with the current uh, team that they have. And I'm, I'm going to stand by that. Yeah, I I 100% agree. I think that's a, a relatively lukewarm take at this point. You know, at the beginning of the season, a lot of people probably would have slated you for that, but I get it. He scored 18 league goals last year. I get it. I get it. He saved them a lot, but they were really terrible last year, and he really yeah. did bail them out. But this is a completely different team with a different yeah. manager. Um, I don't... And obviously, transfer deadline has now passed, and he's still a United player. I don't know where he would really fit in at this point in his career, um, especially on the wages he's on. But they will not win with him in the starting lineup. He should have taken the Dubai money. <laughs> have turned I, down. I didn't think that would have been the smart move. But I mean, we we've talked a lot of trash on United and Arsenal, right? The next big matchup, September fourth, United versus Arsenal, eleven thirty. I feel like that is one, not only you and I, but everyone listening to this podcast, whether you're on title pending or not title pending, whether you're on marquee matchup or tri-state sports, you need to watch this matchup because it's going to be, I mean, this could be like a, a seven goal game or it could be a one goal game and it would be equally exciting no matter what. You know what I mean? I think this is where we'll see what, what Arsenal are really made of. You know, I, you, I you can beat you up on the bottom half teams all you want, but... To win a title in, in this country, you have to beat the big six. And, you know, um, Liverpool last year, we, we drew to Tottenham twice, and we, we drew to Chelsea twice, and we drew to City twice. And, you know, that's that's a lot of points right there that, kind that of a, you lose. It's kind of a bottling team, if you ask me. We beat, we, we beat City twice. Tottenham beat City twice, but, you know, no one else. We, we, we got the double over the, over the victors, but no one else is talking about that. I don't know why. Crazy, crazy. That. I mean, they should. They really should. I mean, like everyone, everyone likes to to trash Tottenham. Yet we we are the reigning Audi Cup champions, and no one's been talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> Audi Cup's the only trophy you'll you'll be winning anytime soon. FA no, Cup I, this year. FA yeah. Cup guaranteed this year. FA or, or or the League Cup. I I could see Tottenham winning. You heard it here. You heard it here. We're winning something. Conte's going to lead us to the promised land. And like I, I, I've had this complaint on the podcast before, but I'm going to bring it up again. No matter what we do, right? We as in Tottenham, because I'm a fan, I speak in the first person. No matter what we do, if we win the League Cup, if we win the FA Cup, everyone is going to be like, well, it, it's not the Premier League, so uh, you didn't really win anything big, right? And then we win the Premier League, and then they're going to be like, well, it's not the Champions League, so you didn't really win anything important. And then, like, it, they're not going to stop saying that. Like, oh, Tottenham hasn't won a big trophy until we win either the Premier League or the Champions League. You know that, right? Well, so, yeah. Same, same thing happened with Liverpool. You know, you win the league, you win the Champions League, you win both the domestic cups, and they're like, oh, you only did it once. <laughs> they they oh. act like you don't. I feel yeah. like people in sports in general just don't realize that only one team can win each trophy each year. You know, they say, oh, X hasn't hasn't won yeah. this trophy in five years. Well, only one team can win it every year. Like it's and then they say that about multiple teams. Like not everyone can win it. Yeah. 
Well, Dan, speaking of not winning and wanting to just curl up into a ball and cry, I think it's time we move on to the next match that we're going to talk about, that being Tottenham versus West Ham. Um, If I had to equivocate this game, watching this match, to a feeling, it's like... It's like being in high school. Follow me on this this uh, story analogy, if you will. Um, it's like being in high school, right? You're really nervous. Prom's coming up. You walk up to your girlfriend and – or not your girlfriend, just the girl you have a crush on. And you're like, hey, I really like you. Would you like to go to prom with me? And she laughs at you. And then the, the school bully comes up and just kicks you in the nuts. That's what watching this game was like. We got a, a, a lucky goal in the uh, 34th minute, an own goal, right? We got a few red yellow cards in the first uh, half, which was really upsetting because to me, it feels like a lot of the refs are willing to let everything play when it's against Tottenham. And I understand that that's me as a fan being like, oh my God, everything against us should be called, but nothing that we do. Like, I get that, right? But a lot of the things that we do feel like they shouldn't be cards are instantly carded. And I don't know if that's, I don't want to suggest, I don't want to sound like an Arsenal fan, right? I don't want to suggest that the refs have like a bias against us because they don't. It's just a bad ref either way that it happens, right? But it still is annoying. We get our own goal. We get to halftime. We're like, cool, let's go. We then come out, and we're like a, a neuter dog. We're passing around the back, continuously passing to the goalie, making zero attempts to go forward until the 55th minute when we give in a goal, which was a nice goal, but, I mean, it shouldn't have happened if we were playing decent defense, to be fair. That's not, not to take anything away from uh, West Ham for that goal. I mean, it was a good shot. But, like, we shouldn't have done – we shouldn't have given them that chance. And then in the last, like, 15 minutes, they got, like, six chances where they barely missed the post. And it's like we escaped – as much as we are the better team, and I'm going to stand by that, like, on paper we are a better team than West Ham, we played, like, just awfully. We didn't deserve the draw, but we got the draw, so we're very happy with the draw, although we shouldn't be. You know what I mean by that? Yeah, I do, but I, I do think that's also part of the sign of a good team is being able to rescue points when you don't necessarily deserve it. And to be honest, I do think you were lucky to get away with a draw because I thought <laughs> West Ham were the more likely of the two teams, especially after they got the equalizer. But um, I don't think it's the end of the world for Tottenham going to the London Stadium and, and settling for a point. Um, West Ham haven't looked great to start the season, but... You know, we saw them all last year. They look great virtually all year, basically up until the last month. So we know what they're capable of, and it's not shocking, really. You know, if they went out and beat Liverpool or beat Chelsea or beat even Man City, we I don't think anyone would necessarily be surprised by that. Yeah. I mean, it, it usually, like, every time there's a, a London Derby, it gets bad. Not bad, but it's like... It's it's tight, right? Like we drew Chelsea, we drew West Ham. Hopefully, we can beat Liver or Arsenal whenever that comes. Um, but I feel like to some extent, it's because it's a derby. The other team's gonna want it just as much as you do. So it's it's always both teams are playing to their best potential. I mean, it reminds me of I think it was two three years ago we were playing West Ham and we had a we literally had a two one advantage in the eighty fifth minute. We let in a goal in like the 85th, 86th minute. I'm like, oh my God, we're really going to draw. Out in the 91st minute, I don't know who it was, rips a a wild like top corner screamer 
off off like the bounce out of nowhere and and we ended up losing three to two and it was just so upsetting but i feel like that's derbies it's gonna happen anytime you're playing a team that you have a rivalry with they're gonna be playing to their best potential and you're also gonna be trying to play to your best potential and one team is just gonna get the edge on that specific day right and in this day it was west ham they couldn't close out i mean they had multiple chances where they should have scored but they just could not close it um when it mattered so i mean we walk away with the one point and we're happy with the one point you know what i mean yeah, i agree and and i think for derby games you, you really just throw everything out the window you know all the preparing you do once that whistle blows it's just you know it's a fight it's a, blood pass- fight. It's a dog fight that's what exactly. it is it's awful but it's it's one of the most exciting slash like animalistic moments in sports that i guess you can cheer for it's the if i do equate it to like a a historic moment it would be like just those uh death battles in the the roman Colosseum. you know what i mean that's like how every derby should be and that's i mean that's what we got in this game but i mean one of what a tottenham was just like we were just a dog with our tail between our legs it was hard to watch but we'll, we'll take the point and we'll move on dan Dan, you are a Liverpool fan. I'm still angry at this game because it gives me flashbacks to, what was it, 20? It was 2020 because on my, uh, let me give a little bit of story, but the game match we're talking about is Liverpool 2, Newcastle 1. December 19th, or December 20th, 2020, I had turned 21 the day before. So obviously, now that I'm in a state that has legal sports gambling and I am 21 years old, I am going to gamble on sports in my or in my state, right? So I sign up for a FanDuel account, make this awesome parlay where I'm like, okay, Sun's going to score, Kane's going to score, we're going to get over X amount of corners, this, the, this, that, and the other, and we're playing Liverpool. And I'm like, okay, we can do it. And I have faith because I have money on the game. I have to have blind faith. And I'm like, cool. We score first. I remember this much. And I'm like, oh my God, we're going to do it. Let's go. Let's go. And then you guys tie. And I'm like, shoot. And then nothing happens until like the 92nd minute when Robert Firmino scores a, a header from basically outside the box and it dribbles in. And I'm like, oh my goodness. And you just kept roasting me on the day after my birthday. And it was very hurtful, Dan. I want you to know that. It was all in good fun, you know. This is why we do it. Is is this not why we watch sports? Is just for bragging rights, so we can, you know, make the people we hate the most miserable. Is that not why we do it? But, I would um, agree. I'll agree with that. The only way to describe Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool would be to call them mentality monsters, because that's what we are. Until that final whistle goes, and I see you rolling your eyes, but if you do the math, Nick Pope. In the middle of the five minutes that we're already being added on, stays down for a minute and a half. So guess what? That's going to add another minute and a half to the game. Liverpool win the corner with a minute and a half over the original added time. So we're on time. You take the corner directly from the corner, Fabio Carvalho. The 20-year-old turned 20 the day before the game. Ends up winning it. That's pretty awesome. I also am not one to complain about additional time because one of, if not the single greatest moments of my sports career, career, my sports fandom life was the Lucas Mora hat trick against Ajax 
in the Champions League to make it to the finals, right? And the only reason that kick or that goal was allowed was because uh, Onana stopped to tie his shoe in the middle of stoppage time, so they added another minute on, and that gave us just enough time to end up scoring again. So, I mean, I get it, but it, like, when you don't watch the games like I do, right, and you look on paper that Liverpool score in the 98th minute after five minutes of stoppage time, you're like, ah, okay, classic Liverpool, just getting everything going their way. It's it's so annoying. And I, I think a lot of people on on Twitter are like you and didn't watch the game because you see 98th minute, you think that's ludicrous, but, um, you know, they won the corner with a minute and a half over the original time, which was, as we know, should have been added on because of Pope being on the ground. And then you see 98th minute, but the goal went in at 97 minutes and 10 seconds. So people don't see that, that whole yeah. other 45 for 50 seconds that they're adding on top of it. Just call it the 98th minute. But, I mean, an- another part of this is, like, did Newcastle deserve to win? They had 28% possession. They had five total shots against Liverpool's 72% and 23 shots. Like, I'm all for small teams winning and, like, wasting as much time as you can. Because sometimes it's funny. Like, if it's your team wasting the time, it's funny. But if you have, like, the uh, Mbappe in the World Cup where he just kept, like, dribbling the ball in front of him, and I don't even know who they were. I think it was the uh, the Croatians they were playing, just kept pushing him, and they like, give us the ball, and he just wouldn't. He got a yellow card for that. I mean, like, that, to some extent, is like, that's funny, right? But, I mean, if you're just like, oh, I gotta tie my shoe, that's not fun for anybody, right? So, I, I understand that, and I do think Liverpool was, was 100% the better team. They did deserve the win. But, I mean, also, it's like, listen, Liverpool's Champions League spot every year. They're fighting for the title. Like, they're always good in the Champions League. Just lose. Just lose a game once in a while. Like, I just drop points, Dan. It, it just makes me so upset. Like, I haven't won anything with Tottenham. Just let me have something. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, you know, a lot of Liverpool fans, especially on Twitter, are very spoiled. And they don't... They don't know how bad it was before yeah. Klopp came here. You know, I don't think they remember just like the, the the quality of play we used to watch week in week out compared to now. It's it's literally like night and day. Um, but to go back to your earlier point, I understand the time wasting. You know, or at least I I say I do, because you know Newcastle are really beat up. But at the same time, you go one nil up, but it's almost like England in the World Cup or excuse me, in the Euro finals last year, you go one nil up and then you're just going to sit 11 men behind the ball for, for, for the next 75 minutes. You know, I don't, it's not really much of a game plan if you ask me. And it, it works if you're someone like Burnley or West Brom and, and you come to Anfield and you go one nil up because, you know, that's really your only chance of stealing some yeah. points there. But if you're Newcastle, you have these these really shady owners who are throwing hundreds of millions of pounds into the club and, and signing these players like Kieran Trippier and and Botman, but he I know he didn't play, but you know I want you to hold on, I want you to know something. You are call talking about shady owners. Who is a part owner of Liverpool? LeBron. LeBron James. You cannot talk about shady like disgusting people and not mention LeBron James. That's just crazy. 
Well, I think That's you know like the LeBron is on the kettle black. That's crazy. LeBron is definitely cringe, and he is annoying in in the NBA sense. But you know, comparing him to some some blood money over there, Saudi in oil Europe, Fair enough. Yeah, Fair enough. I, I think is a little bit different. But even still, I the better Liverpool have gotten, you see a lot more teams just imploring this tactic of, of time wasting the second they go. Honestly. Newcastle were time-wasting from the 35th minute, and I wasn't even surprised because that's what more or less every it. team does now. Gotta respect and, you know, it. if you're a good team, I, I guess you kind of just have to expect it when you show up to the, to the game. Um, There was something I wanted to say, but I can't remember what it was. Um, on the bright side on. for yeah. Newcastle fans, you know, Alexander Isaac, another 60 million pound player making his debut. He looked really good. He was a little unfortunate to have his second goal called out for offsides. I will admit that. But, um, you know, Liverpool have been shafted by it previously. So, um, but he he does look very good. I know he had a really poor season last year, um, but he does look back to his best form. He offers a lot of nice movement up there. And I know when Callum Wilson is injured, as he frequently is, he, he will be a nice addition to the team. But, um, you know, transitioning from Alexander Isaac's transfer, today, the day of recording, September 1st, is transfer deadline day. So, Charlie, you want to take us into that? Well, I, I have something I, I would like to share before. We're talking about shady uh, or bad owners, right, of, of Premier League teams. When you think of one team that hates their owner more than any team in the world, uh, like in the Premier League, who who do you think that would be? Who hates their owner? Yeah. Tottenham? No, we, we uh, kind of. Well, no. I guess Man United. Man United. Do you know who they hate? Do you know the guy's name? The Glazers. Do you know where the Glazers are from? Let me guess. Rochester, New York. That is correct, Daniel. It is very. They also own the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, it is so funny that being a Tottenham fan from Rochester, seeing a a man from my like from my area, destroy the team that I hate is very fitting. I just thought I had to, I felt like I had to add that in. Um, But I mean, like I, I haven't, uh, Dan, you've been following the, the transfer window more than I have, but I did notice one transfer, which was uh like kind of funny and obnoxious to me in a way, that being the Aubameyang signing to Chelsea. I feel like if you were an Arsenal fan, that has to be one of the biggest slaps in the face ever to like to have him come. I mean, who else has done that? Not gone to a direct. I mean, they're obviously not a direct rival. I mean, they kind of are. Yeah. Like Sol Campbell went from Tottenham to Arsenal. Who else? I mean, I, there's no more I despicable move than going from one team leaving, coming back and going directly to a rival. I don't know if you remember, they used to have a player called um, Emmanuel Adebayor. He went from Arsenal to City. And when he scored against Arsenal for City at the Etihad, um, he ran all the way down the other end of the pitch and got on his knees in front of the traveling Arsenal fans. Um, so that really put him in the history books for me. And also, he went to Tottenham after that. So he is probably the most, um, he's probably public enemy number one at the Emirates. That's that is fantastic. I mean, but like you rarely see that in, in other American sports, right? 
I mean, like Babe Ruth, Johnny Damon are a few of the only examples I could think of, right? Going from the Red Sox directly to the Yankees. Like, that's a big thing. But I feel like what makes it more exciting or more like um, deep, I guess, in, in soccer is that you can you can start on one team, leave, play on the other team for like two to three years in a different country, come back to a rival, and they still hate you as if you did it directly from the one team. You know what I mean? It is pretty crazy. I think partly why he might have did that is there was a little bit of of a like a sour breakup you could say between Arsenal and Aubameyang. I don't know if you watched the Arsenal documentary, but they painted him out to be a pretty um, bad egg in in the locker room. You know him showing up for training late. You know him pulling up in in the Lambo, basically him just just acting like a jerk. But um, and obviously probably a lot of Arsenal propaganda there. So who knows what's really true, but I bet that's part of it. Um, his time at Barcelona was okay. And it, and it's only been six months, but he, he scored once, I think in, in all competition. Okay. Maybe it wasn't okay. Maybe it was bad, <laughs> but um, I think his style of play probably suits the premier league a lot more. And Chelsea, I mean, they don't have a striker. He is pretty washed up i would say so um i think anyone other than Havertz would would do for them at this point oh my god a hundred percent um yeah i i just watching chelsea how they played tottenham was not great oh he had 13 goals and 24 appearances so that's pretty good that's pretty good um the one thing though i like you asked if i if i watched the uh the arsenal all or nothing no i i didn't care the one thing that did stand out to me Going into the final match day was very funny when um, they're sitting in their locker room, ready to go out to their game, and Arteta's like, you never know. Tottenham may lose at Norwich. So funny knowing the context of that, knowing that I think they beat them 5-0 and they were up by 4 within like a half hour. There we go. Um, Oh, it's just great. We love to see it. Moving on, um, just, just some quick notes, you know, couple Brazilians coming to the Premier League, Arthur to Liverpool, who I am somewhat excited about. He is a little bit of a stopgap since our midfield is so badly injured right now. But, um, you know, I'm excited to see what he can do, especially since it's just on loan. And Anthony... Well, he was on. He was, he was from Juve, correct? Correct. So we've seen, I mean, we've seen for Tottenham how well the Bentancourt Kulishevsky have done. So I feel like I feel like coming over from Serie A to Premier League is is not the biggest jump, so I feel like he's going to fit in pretty well, which is exciting to watch because you always want to see players, especially decent players, play to their best potential. So seeing him come over to Liverpool, I feel like he's going to fit in fairly well, which you can only hope for, especially for you. Yeah, and, and I know a lot of people said he did struggle a little bit in the Serie A, but it could be like Kulisevsky and Bentancourt where he comes over here and his play style suits this league a little better because the Italian league it's a lot slower paced, a mm-hmm. lot more defensive. Yeah. Um. So you never know. But a- another Brazilian coming over from the Dutch league is Anthony to Manchester United for a cool hundred million pounds. It is. is uh, yeah, that's that's crazy. That's absolutely fidget spinner insane. of a winger. I would say, um, considering all the spin around as he does. I think he'll be good for them, but having that price tag on his shoulders, considering how late United left it in the window, 
is yeah. a little uh, worrying, and especially it's... all the pressure that they're under right now. I mean, United has to win, right? Like, they don't have a choice with how much they're spending. They have to win now. But I, I also feel like they're one of those teams where it's like, even if their owner hates them and isn't helping, and their team sucks, the fans are still going to come to every game, right? You know what I mean? Like, they're not going to, maybe not sell out, but they're still going to sell a, a good portion of, of Old Trafford. And I feel like with with certain teams, with like, like if, if Nottingham Forest was spending a lot of money like that, and they weren't necessarily winning, and they weren't getting players and fans to come to the games, then it would be an issue, right? But I feel like United are a team that can do that because they're still going to get the money. They're still going to finish in a high enough spot where their fans won't be happy, right? Because no fans are happy unless you win the league. Um, they won't be happy, but they'll be happy enough and they'll continue to pay to come and support this team. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. And I don't think United will be as bad as a lot of people were suggesting after the first two weeks, and I don't really blame them. It's almost like Arsenal last year. But there's... I would be surprised if they break into the top four. I would be really surprised, especially with the quality at the top of the league. But I, I do think Anthony will be a good piece for them, um, probably better than Sancho, even though he scored two goals in his last two games. Dan, what before we get to our final two big signings, which which are huge, um, what who do you, who is your top four prediction? Well, obviously, City are going to win the league. We've already covered that. Like, I do I think agree. filling out the rest of the top four will be um, Liverpool, obviously. I would say Tottenham and Arsenal. I was on the fence about Arsenal or Chelsea, but I really do worry for Chelsea and their lack of goals and their lack of a, of a really number one goalkeeper. Yeah. Um, signing a Bamiang is really not going to... It's a, like, a band-aid on a bullet hole at this point. Exactly. It's it's not going to flip the switch and turn them into some prolific attacking side because that's just not how Tuchel has played. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the table right now. I'm trying to think, like, on the off chance, if it's not or if it's not City, Liverpool, Tottenham, Arsenal, or something of some of those four, who else could I see sneaking into the top four? I don't really have anybody. Like, Brighton's going to finish, I feel like Brighton might finish top half, but are they top four? I don't think so. I mean, it's got to be one of the top six, and I don't think it could be City, or, or I don't think it'd be Chelsea or United, which is weird to say. I think if anyone's going to disrupt the four that I mentioned, it's it, it will be Chelsea, because, you know, honestly, we, we forget about how bad the Europa League can be on yeah. uh, a team's league hopes, you know playing on a Thursday and then a Sunday, that can really hamper your performances in the league and both United and Arsenal are in it. <laughs> um, Thank you for adding that one. Seeing, in. seeing Cristiano Pinaldo going to Moldova on a Thursday night will be <laughs> just some grade-A banter. But, you know, playing on those Thursday nights and then coming back on the Sunday or the Monday, that that can really hurt a team. So I wouldn't be surprised if Chelsea sneak in over Arsenal just for that reason. I, I, I could see it on that. I mean, not, no one knows what, what Arsenal really has in their in their locker until they play a team like uh, Man U. I mean, like Man U's not even the best example because Man U's a, a decent team, but they're not great. I feel like that'll really, if they can handily defeat Man United, then I'll start to panic a little bit, right, as a Tottenham fan. But right now, it's like 
it, it's the same thing as 2018 or 2019, whatever, when St. John's went undefeated in preseason or, or in non-conference basketball. And it's like, who did they play? They played like, um, they played like Florida A&M or something like that. It's like, are we really worried about them beating Florida A&M when, when we're going into conference play in the Big East? Like something like that. And that's, I mean, no one will know until then, but I mean, we can all assume and it's, it's better to assume the worst than the best. And that's, that's all I have on that topic. Yeah, I agree. But moving on to the real players for the Americans, Jorginho Desk going on loan to AC Milan from Barcelona. There is an option to buy at the end of the loan. I think this will be a really good move for him. Um, yeah. He didn't really hit his hit his stride at Barcelona. Milan do need some some fullback cover. I know Florenzi, I believe, is injured. So um, and there's no better team in Italy right now to go to than AC yeah. Milan. He'll be able to play some consistent minutes. He'll be able to Champions play in the Champions League, well. League again. Yes. Um, so I think this will be a really good move for him ahead of the World Cup this winter. I, I feel like he was getting similar to the uh, Pulisic. Um like at Chelsea, right? Where he wasn't getting constant minutes and he wasn't getting, I mean, he was getting in his position, but he just wasn't getting constant minutes, whether that be through injury or, and I don't, I don't necessarily know what's going through every manager's head. Right. But do you think that if they see, they have two players that are comparable in skill, one's from Brazil and one's from America. Do you think they're more likely to play the Brazilian because of the stigmatization behind the American soccer system? Probably, and, and especially in Barcelona's case. I watched this documentary the other day on Netflix called Take the Ball, Pass the Ball, and it's about Pep Guardiola's Barcelona side and about how he really brought back the quote-unquote Barcelona way of how they want to play. And Xavi was really, really prevalent in that documentary and talking about how he loved or he would love to be the next manager to bring back the true Barcelona way. And what they love to do... They don't care if they give up goals. They want to play out of the back. They want to play a certain style. So I could really see Xavi thinking that, you know, maybe Des doesn't doesn't suit this style necessarily, and, and I'd rather sell him than try to, you know, put a square peg into a round hole. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I'm very happy to see him getting a loan because, I don't know, I feel like more often than not when a player gets loaned out, that means they're getting more playing time, right? So I feel like it's it's – Maybe not to a team like AC Milan, but it's it's exciting to see him have more opportunities than he would have on Barcelona. I agree, and and another American hero, John Brooks, famously scored the winner against Ghana in 2014 at the World Cup. He has moved from Wolfsburg to Benfica, which I I, I don't know. I feel personally right, like Bundesliga to what is that Liga Nos. I feel like that's kind of a downgrade, but at the same time, if you're not starting, you're not the star player, you might not get as much of the attention or playing time. So if you do move down a league, then you're more likely to be that player who people look up to and hopefully you get more chances than he would at Wolfsburg, which I feel like he will. And that's, that's exciting to see for any American player. Honestly, this might be a hot take, but I I think this might be an upgrade for him. I, especially he's going to one of the top sides in the league in us. Uh, as opposed to Wolfsburg, who I believe are have, have been in the bottom half of the table these last few years. Also, the Bundesliga is a borderline farmer's league. They don't play defense over That's there. That's true. Just, That's also just true. vibes. You know, every game is like 5-3. <laughs> I'm like, what, what tactics are you guys teaching over there? But um, 
<laughs> honestly, it doesn't even matter this move for him because it seems like Greg Berhalter has some sort of personal vendetta against him and, and refuses yeah. to call him up to the squad. Yeah, which, you know, is just very upsetting. But, you know, we, I mean, maybe he gets more playing time here, gets some Champions League experience, gets to play against the likes of PSG, Juventus, shows what he can do against higher side teams. And maybe he gets another call up to the to the USMNT. Maybe not, but I mean, he's getting playing time, and for any American, that's what you love to see. I feel like. I think it'll be really good to see him in the Champions League this year. I think he might be able to put Greg Berhalter, that bald idiot, in a place where he he says, "You basically have to pick me because I have become so yeah. important over here. You're not yeah. going to play that that blonde guy with a ponytail who plays on Nashville." You know, you're going to play me at the World Cup. Uh, well, there go our chances of getting that blonde guy with the ponytail on the podcast. That Damn, that, that, was, a, that was a bridge burn maybe a little too soon. Um, but, you know, we love to see it. Uh, I feel like also, just one last point before we end the episode, I feel like it's funny hearing us talk about the U.S. Uh, players and being like, yeah, it's just exciting to see them get more playtime. So I feel like in three and four years, we're not going to be happy with more playing time. We're going to be like, listen, Pulisic is one of the better teams on, or one of the better players on his team. He needs to play, right? He needs to be in a, a position where he can score and where he can make a difference to the team. That's where we're getting to. I don't think we're there yet, right? Where we're just happy to see American players get the opportunities that everyone else is. But I, I cannot wait for the times when we're like actively pushing for the Americans, not because they're American, but because they're the best players on these teams. I think this this World Cup will be a really good indicator of where we're trending, and that is upwards. Listen, we won back-to-back World Wars. We can win a World Cup. Am I right? Logic doesn't... Uh, it's not airtight, but I'll, I'll allow it. Oh, well, Dan, do you have anything else you'd like to add to the end of this episode? It's been Stay- great being on here. This has been probably the... I would argue the best podcast crossover of all time. Oh yes. Oh yes. Well, listen, Dan, you're not, you're not out of the woods yet because you are now on the list as the tertiary third host in an emergency in case we need it. If I'm not here, if I'm something busy, it might be you and you and Joey. If Joey's not here, it's going to be you and me. If you're not here or if you are here, it'll probably be Joey and I, we may have a three person episode. Oh my goodness. But we will see. Uh, but yeah, Dan, thank you for stopping by. I'm going to hold on before we before we end the episode. I'm going to tell you a little thing Joey and I always do. So when we end the episodes, right, I always say thank you um, for listening. I have been your host, Charlie. And then Joey always ends with I still am your host, Joey. So, OK, so you got to carry that on. So I have been your host, Charlie. I am still your host, Dan. There you go. And whether you've been listening on the Tri-State Sports feed or the Marquee Matchup feed, this has been specifically the Marquee Matchup show. Thank you for listening. We love you. We will see you next week and peace.